When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, as we are getting closer to the restart of La Liga, we speak with Semra Hunter of La Liga TV. We discuss the new rule changes, La Liga, Champions League, and relegation battles, as well as recent FC Barcelona news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barca Talk. Before I get into my talk with Summer Hunter of La Liga TV, I want to talk about the situation that is occurring in the United States. If the past week has not moved you or made you act in some way, you're either a racist or a sociopath, and I ain't with you. This is not a political issue nor imaginary media issue. It is a human rights issue. This past week, I felt helpless watching all the scenes unfold in the United States watching from afar, trying to comprehend the continued oppression of the black community from the police. I can't emphasize this enough. Black lives matter. The amount of injustice and racism that has existed in the U.S. throughout our history has been rampant and has never been corrected, even though slavery was abolished more than 100 years ago. This is the moment. It will take everyone to make this social change. You can't be on the sidelines this time and let others handle it. The first thing we can do is implement immediate police policy changes that will dramatically affect police violence on its American citizens. If I was back in the United States, I would be in the streets in solidarity with my fellow Americans. We at Barca Talk celebrate diversity and reject racism. Therefore, we have donated to the eight can't wait project the eight can't wait project has compiled data on police killings in the united states they have identified eight policies that can take immediate effect and will lead to a 72 percent decrease in killings by the police i was listening to the co-founder of eight can't wait deray mckesson explain safety with this quick mental exercise what is the safest place for you is it in your house Is your family there? How about your pets? Your friends? Are the police there? We have a massive opportunity to make a serious change. Make your voice heard. Vote. Have those complicated conversations. Donate money or time. But most importantly, do something. Stay safe, everyone. conversation with La Liga TV's Semra Henner about the La Liga restart and FC Barcelona news. Here is that conversation. All right. So you're originally from LA, right? I am. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. So how, how did you arrive to Spain? So I came to Spain the first time, I think it was about 12 years old. I came with my parents on a family trip. We did Spain and Portugal. And when we came to Barcelona, I knew that I wanted to move here. 
<laughs> I said, okay, yeah, this is it for me. You know, it's similar to LA. It's got a beach. Yeah. I need to be by water. <laughs> Very much a beach person. Um, and I love the city. I thought it was yeah. beautiful and it captivated my interest and, and I just wanted to come back. So I had it set in my sights that when I was older, I would move to Europe and I would specifically move to Barcelona, which is effectively what I did when I finished uh, college. When I graduated from college, I moved here. Well, first, mm -hmm. I guess my junior year of college, I came abroad to Barcelona. Okay. Then I went home, I finished, graduated, and then I moved back straight away two weeks after graduation. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much that's how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and did you play football as a youngster? I did. I did, actually. Yeah. I started when I was three years old. I'm an only child, so my parents okay. felt that it was really important for me to play team sports as a way of meeting new people, making friends, building my own sort of community. And football was very much one of those sports, even though at the time it was kind of more like, well, they always called it swarm ball because yeah, it's just yeah. a bunch of three-year-olds yeah, <laughs> huddling yeah, around yeah. and ball in the middle, just kind of <laughs> moving along in a group up and down the pitch. For sure. Um, but I played for years after that. And I wanted to become a professional football player, actually. Mm. That was always my dream. So whenever I wasn't at school and I wasn't training with uh, either the school team or was playing with ASO, are you from the US originally? Yes, yes. I'm okay, I was going to say from yeah, the yeah, accent. Yeah. It sounds so yeah. I, I'm, you probably already know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. ASO soccer, so started of there. Of course. Then as I got older, moved into club teams, played with a high school team and so on. And so, yeah, I played pretty much my entire my entire life and when I wasn't training with the team or wasn't at school then I'd also done training on the side yeah I always had coaches that were one-on-one -on -one coaches that had come from Europe so they had a lot of experience they had a lot of background they knew the sport a lot better than most Americans at the time sure. and that's what I did so, so played a lot all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are your parents from the States? Are they from Europe? Or because, for example, my dad's from South America, and that's kind of how I got into football because okay. obviously he loves football. And so he kind of, I wouldn't say pressured me, but he wanted me to play. So that's how that started. Sure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, I, I my sister also played too. But, I, you know, I think it's one of those sports that's kind of a gateway sport to like volleyball or softball or other sports, right? And so I'm just curious, were your, were your parents from the States? Are they from Europe or what? So, yes, my yeah. parents are both from the States, Okay, but uh, my mom is from Boston. My dad was born in Pennsylvania, but grew up in, in California. My grandfather, my father's father, is Turkish. Uh -huh. Okay, okay. My background is really mixed. Yeah. So I've got Turkish blood. My mom is a mixture of Mexican, Italian, Russian, Polish, German. Wow. My father's mother was a mix of English, Scottish, German. Wow. <laughs> the, wow. The, the Turkish element, yeah, it's um, a complete <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, we could yeah, say yeah. that. Are you, are, you, are, you yeah. still, are you still playing at all in Barcelona? No, when you, when unfortunately you have time, not. you have time. No. That's, that's the main issue, really, yeah. because my hours are so all over the place sure. and usually I work the weekends, which is when everybody yeah. is off and I'm off during the week when everyone's at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite challenging. It's quite difficult to 
find the time and the ability to play. I do miss it. I do really want to find a way to get back into it. Yeah. Because it's been a what, while. But what position did you play? Central half. Oh, nice. nice. As a midfielder. Nice. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, I have a similar story of how I arrived to Spain. I came to Spain in 2011, okay. came to Spain and basically fell in love with it. I'm in Madrid, obviously, but uh, hmm. I do I do miss the sea, obviously, but uh, <laughs> I do I do love the Spanish capital. Have you always um, lived in Madrid then? Well, I lived two years in Saragossa. Oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, Most yeah. people don't come to Spain and go to Saragossa. Yeah. So I was I was uh, teaching English to the government of Spain. And so, mm. uh, yeah. Were you doing and the so, Auxiliares program? I was. I, was, I did so that I was, in Granada. Yeah, yeah. So I was placed in Saragossa first for two years. Okay. So, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great. I got to, you know, know a community that I probably would have never imagined to. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But now I'm based in Madrid and I, I really love it here. Um, so my my questions for you about, you know, with Spain and, and Barcelona and so forth. Um, you know, I, I know that you've gone around Europe doing interviews and, you know, obviously you work for La Liga TV. What is your favorite European stadium? This is a good question because <laughs> honestly... <laughs> It's a hard one to answer. Yeah. I'm going to go for a sentimental value on this Okay. One. So I'm going to say, and it's not because I'm talking to you and you have a <laughs> podcast about Barcelona, but I'm going to go with the Camp Nou. Okay. Okay. And again, it, it goes back to when I first moved here to Spain, I originally moved to Barcelona and that was mm-hmm. in 2007. And I used to go to games as often as I could. And that was my first experience with European football in the flesh mm. after having watched it stateside, growing up sure. watching it abroad. It was the first time I could actually go to games and live it and feel it and and just really soak up the whole atmosphere and the vibe and, and just, yeah, I get to watch it right in front yeah, of me. Yeah. So I have a lot of really wonderful memories of going to the Camp Nou way back when before I even started my career and yeah, yeah. going to games with my ex-boyfriend who's Catalan and a massive diehard Barcelona fan <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was the one that really got me into Spanish football to be to be fair because I had grown up watching the Premier League as I imagine sure. you probably did something yeah. similar because yeah. we didn't really have access to Spanish yeah. at the time. Uh, so I would have to say the camera. Okay. Okay. That, that that's a good choice. I like it. Um, also, so, just to add yeah. a little point okay. there, it was the time that Messi was starting to rise to prominence. You know, it was right yeah. towards last season. Yeah, Messi was starting to make a name for himself. There was very much the vibe and the chat amongst Barcelona fans that this was going to be hugely uh, big talent in the future. Sure. I think obviously none of us knew exactly what we knew, how big of a talent he was going to become. Yeah. But the just being there in the moment, watching it unfold, watching it happen was really something special. And the arrival of Guardiola subsequently after that. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we actually just uh, finished a three-part oral history of the 2007-2008 season. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're going to release that next, actually June 12th. So this nice. this week. So yeah, yeah. So we did a, a whole oral history about Rijkaard, about Me- young Messi and all that year of chaos oh, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm curious, you know, I live in Spain, so I don't really know anything about La Liga TV. So is La Liga sure. TV obviously just more international? Is it outside of Spain? And that's how 
it works? Or can you tell us a little bit more about La Liga TV? Of course. There's two versions of the channel. There's a national version, which is mm-hmm. obviously done in Spanish. But because Movistar have the rights to La Liga in Spain, La Liga TV, I believe, doesn't show game. No, I might. No, I'm mistaken. I think they do so, show some games, but there's no studio. Let's put it that way. There's okay. no studio okay. programming, or there's no reporting. There's nothing mm-hmm. like that. Um, however, where I work on the international side, as you said, it's for everyone outside of Spain. Okay. So it's done in English, and it's broadcast to just about every country I think around the world. And we, in turn, are a 24-7 channel that <laughs> produces a lot of content. Yeah, 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 of course. I've been, <laughs> and I've a wide that. variety of content yeah, as yeah, well yeah. to keep fans yeah. happy, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, one of my biggest complaints with La Liga is the, their marketing outside of Spain, essentially, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Just trying to get it bigger, essentially, trying to compete with the Premier League. Because like you said, in the States, it's all about Premier League, right? I feel and they, you. I feel you. Like NBC Sports does an excellent job of their packaging. And I just personally prefer the style of La Liga because that's just my my per, you know preferential style of football. Sure. But there isn't enough marketing behind that to get more people, to more eyes on it. Because I think more people will enjoy La Liga compared to the Premier League, for example. I 100% agree with you. Uh, a lot of the frustrations that you've had, I've also felt at certain stages yeah. um, in the past. Because I did feel like as a La Liga fan, we were getting shortchanged in the US. Yeah. We weren't getting as much um, coverage or we weren't having as much, we didn't have as much accessibility to it yeah. um, as the Premier League. Sure. But to be fair, I do think things are changing. I do think La Liga is actively working hard to try and improve the situation and to make it more accessible to people, not just in the US, but everywhere. And they have to compete with a league that is so deeply established that has been followed by people for probably the last 30 years in the US. It's going to be hard. It'll take time. But I think they are on the right track to eventually getting to a point where they actually can compete with the Premier League. And I agree with you when it gets to that point, I think more people are going to fall in love with Spanish football than they will the Premier League. And I'm not saying that just because I happen to work for La Liga TV. Yeah. I really, truly believe that it's a phenomenal league. Yeah. Like for example, right now I'm having a really difficult time watching Bundesliga. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I was all gung ho the first weekend. You know, I was, I was with a friend of mine. We were going to watch Bundesliga. We were excited. And we watched the first match and I was like, okay, I, I'd rather watch a movie right now. Like, this is not doing it for me. And yeah. and I tried. I tried to be – I'm a, I'm an open person with football, but for some reason, Bundesliga just doesn't cut for me. And I, it just made it more apparent that I just love La Liga so much more. You know, I'd rather see a Hitafe match than any Bundesliga match, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hitafe this season for sure. I can, I can relate yeah, yeah, yeah. to that. Hitafe have been, have been amazing this season. Yeah. Well, before we get into my La Liga questions, last sure. one for, for your La Liga TV experience and so forth, your favorite interview that you've had? Um, besides me, besides me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. Um, could it be, does it have to be with La Liga TV or could it be at any no, point No, 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 it could be any, anyone, yeah, yeah. Um, Xavi Hernandez. Okay, nice. Definitely. 
Yeah. Definitely. Was, because... Is he just like the nicest guy ever or what? Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was really fun to talk to obviously because of his, his deep passion for the game and his understanding for the game and you get him going and he can talk a mile a minute. Um, and he just lights up whenever you ask him questions sure, about football, sure. obviously. But it was just an honor because when I, again, going back to 2007 and going to those games and really getting to understand the Barca culture and, and spending a lot of time with Barca fans. Sure, sure. Um, I really fell in love with, with Xavi Hernandez as a player and having played as a central midfielder, he was the one that I could really relate to. Sure. And I really, really adored him. I loved watching him play. I thought he was brilliant. And so for me, I always used to make the joke that the day that I met and interviewed Xavi that I could then retire because nothing would be better. <laughs> <laughs> but lucky for me, I, I managed to interview him three times in quite short into my career let's say within about five okay. years or so yeah, yeah, yeah and i said okay right yeah so now i need to scrap that because <laughs> I'm, I'm too, too young to retire and i still want to do a lot of other things i just need to yeah. reconfigure my objectives and my goals you know yeah but it was brilliant he was just he was really it was fun to talk to uh, he was fun to talk to sorry and we talked about a lot of different things too, because it happened to be in Qatar and Doha. Mm, yeah. And so we talked about the World Cup and what was going to happen in five years. He's obviously ambassador for the competition, but we also talked about him coming back to Barcelona one day to be the manager, what that would look like, yeah. when he planning on doing it, all that kind of stuff too. So I have to. Go I've, I have another question about media in La Liga. Sure. You know, um, with the mix zone, for example. You know, uh, like in the NBA, for example. Um, you know, journalists and media people can go into the locker room, mm -hmm. but also the players have to do their kind of 10 minutes after each game and so forth. And, you know, obviously in European football, they don't have to do that. If they want to talk, they exactly. talk, but if they're not. Exactly. Do you think, do you think La Liga should mandate something like that where one player should talk every game just to give some sound bites for media? Or do you like the system as it is with the mix zone right now? Oh, it's kind of tricky because I feel like, the whole culture around media and the treatment of media has to change. In the U.S., players know they need the media as much as the media knows that they need the players. There's very much a mutual beneficial relationship sure. there and understanding of that situation. And they know how to use each other to their favor. Mm -hmm. Here, and I speak for Spain, I can't really speak to other, to other leagues because I haven't lived in other countries in Europe, I feel like there's sort of this, a lot of players are not really in clubs, are not very trusting of a, lot, of a lot of the media. And I feel like the relationship has kind of gotten worse over time. I think once upon a time, not very long ago, maybe 20 years ago, actually there was a lot of access and journalists could speak to players quite freely and uh, after games. And I'm not sure about if they could go into the dressing rooms or not, but I do think the relationship was much better. It has worsened over time for various reasons, but I think that there is this inherent lack of trust. Okay. And so that needs to change. That needs to improve for sure. But I also worry that if players are forced into having to talk, maybe you won't get the best out of them. 
Because sure. if they feel like, oh, I have to do this, but I don't want to do this, then maybe you're not going to get an answer that's really a value. Whereas if you don't force them, but you strongly encourage them to do it, then maybe you'll get a better answer out of them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, because obviously we all want to hear from the players after the games. And we still, we do. I mean, there's also, there's the, the flash interviews right after a game finishes. So we get those after at every single okay. game. And I do think yeah, yeah. it's required to do that. Which yeah, they are. Um, but for the mix zone, it's a bit tricky, to be honest yeah. with you. I'm not really sure whether that should be something that is mandated or not. But I kind of wish that it were more like the NBA and the setup that it is with the NBA and access that they get. Because I think fans would really appreciate having that kind of inside access, especially right after a game. But you never yeah. know. The cultures are very different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, from, you know, especially like we're trying to get content all the time and it's just, you know, sometimes frustrating because I just want to hear just what the players are thinking, sure. like, especially after the game. And like you said, immediately after the game, they do like a three question thing on the field. Hmm. But I just feel those are just so softball questions, you know, like, you know, it's just so easy to answer. And I kind of want a little bit more dissection into the game, especially big games like in Champions League and so forth. Sure. You know, like those, especially against Liverpool, for example, you know, we want answers. <laughs> right. But, then again, but that's also down to, but that's also down to the reporters. Yeah, yeah, yeah whoever the reporter is to to ask those questions you know what i mean like because yeah. they're already getting the access you know la liga yeah. whoever the competition is giving them that access but it's down to the reporter to ask the tough questions when they're actually allowed to do so yeah so i know you're excited for la liga starting Absolutely. on thursday 100% um yeah <laughs> <laughs> So with all these kind of like new changes, um, do you think, you know, with especially with the 23 man roster, I think that is one one kind of the biggest moves that's new. I think it gives Real Madrid a, a slight advantage, especially if you're talking about this yeah. two horse race. What do you think? Do you think I mean, my my personal opinion is just because Zizou uses his bench a little bit more than, let's say, Setien or right now. Do you do you think that kind of gives a leg up for Real Madrid for this race with 11 games left? I do. I think there's various factors at play here, though. Um, apart from Zizou being able to make better use of his bench, as you say, he also has much deeper squad accessible yeah. to him and available to him <laughs> than Kike Setien. And yeah. let's not forget, Barcelona are also still adapting to having a new manager. He'd only been with them for, what, about a month before, mm -hmm. before yeah. the league stopped? Luis Suarez hasn't even played under him yet. So we're not even really sure how that's going to look. Um, but Barcelona are, they have a, a very big problem in the way of a very short squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, they didn't do the best planning in the summer, let's say squad planning in the summer. Um, obviously, we all know what happened in January when they decided to offload Malcolm and Carlos Pérez, which was in hindsight, 2020, always hindsight. But it was a mistake. But even then, it was sort of questionable as to why are they doing that because there's a positions where they actually need to have reinforcements right yeah, now. Exactly. Um, especially with injuries and everything else. So my concern for Barcelona is that they are just very light, especially in certain positions. When, for example, I look at the attack, you've got We've got Messi, obviously, who is, I'm sure we'll talk about him later on in more depth, but the fact that he's picked up an injury. Um, we've got Griezmann, we've got Luis Suarez coming back. 
you've got Ansu Fati, and that's yeah. just about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, so if one of them gets injured, Ansu Fati is kind of like the only winger available. There's nobody really to, to, to kind of stand behind him. Yeah. He's also 17 years old. Uh, Antoine Griezmann has regularly been played out of position in a place where we're not going to see him excel necessarily. So the, the attack really is almost like Messi, you know, basically yeah. the one kind of carrying the weight. Um, but I think what will work to their favor, again, we'll see what happens because maybe everything that happened all the way up until the coronavirus is going to be completely scrapped because what we're going to see for the rest of the season is going to be almost incomparable to everything that's happened all the way until now. But Real Madrid normally are known for having one of the most formidable attacks in all of Europe has actually been falling short, though. They haven't been scoring goals, banging them in the right center like we're used to seeing. It's basically been Karim Benzema carrying the weight on his shoulders for his teammates when you have a plethora of attacking options available to you. They're just not doing the job. And so that actually has really worked to Barcelona's, you know, benefit really, quite frankly. Um, But if they find their form and if Eden Hazard comes back from injury and he starts hitting his stride, even Marco Asensio, I think, is going to be back from injury. He could find his form again. Then if Gareth Bale decides to turn up or, you know, Rodrigo (laughs) Vinicius, I mean, they have a very long list of of, of attacking attack, uh, yeah. attacking threats, quite honestly. And the, defensively, defensively, they have the best defensive record in the league, which is not something we're very used to seeing either. Only 19 goals they've shipped so far. So if they're able to maintain that, then I think they have quite a few advantages over Barcelona, a Barcelona side that have also had a very irregular, erratic defense so far yeah. this season too. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's a little bit shaky. Yeah. Um, and there are things that concern me about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end, going to have his work cut out for him over the next five weeks. Definitely. I would definitely agree. You know, and, you know, the thing is, you know, obviously here, everyone's talking about Madrid and Barcelona, right? Because they're oh. the top two teams. But sure. I almost kind of concede that I'm kind of fearful of Real Sociedad, for example, because <laughs> of the 11 games. This is like World Cup, you know, basic format, you know, where you have so many games. And Real Sociedad is one of the youngest teams that could, I think, physically handle mm. this load. And also, since they were out of phase one first, they've been training longer as a group than most other teams. So do you see Sociedad or maybe another team as a surprise to this two-horse race maybe, with, especially you know, in such, you know, there's going to be no rest essentially in yeah. so many games back-to-back with a game every night essentially? I, I would love to say yes. <laughs> Because I think they're a wildly exciting team. Mm-hmm. They are. And as you say, they are the youngest squads uh, in, in the division. And yeah. when it comes to physical fitness, they're probably the ones who can deal with this intense physical pressure much better than everybody else. I think on I think the average age is 26 or something like that. Yeah. It may even be a little bit younger. But... They are 10 points behind Real Madrid, they're 12 behind Barcelona. They have an incredibly tough 
schedule ahead. It's not going to be a cakewalk. I think they have to play every single team in the top six, with the exception of Barcelona. So they still have to play Real Madrid. They still have to play Getafe, Sevilla, and Villarreal, who are, I think, seventh right now or something like that. So they still have an incredibly tough fixture list to go through compared to some of the other teams uh, ahead of them at this point in time. So would I love to see them try and pip one of those two in the title race? Sure, why not? It would make things very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it happening, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to add one more caveat too, you know, especially here in June with the heat. I think Sociedad has another advantage with the weather up there. You know, it's not going to be as hot as it's going to be in Sevilla, for example. (laughs) I I mean, those matches are going to be crazy in the South, you know, especially with the heat. No, that is a good point. That is a good point. I mean, it'll be hot in the North, but not nearly as hot as the rest of the peninsula. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I want to just talk about the two races because they're pretty exciting as well. With Mm -hmm. the Champions League race, we got four teams. We have Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, and Hitafe for two spots, essentially. If you are betting... Who are you going to take oh, for boy. those two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I have to... I've been giving some thought to this for a while. Okay. Because I do feel like the race is so tight. I think... It is. I think... I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it's only four points uh-huh. that separate uh, yeah. third and... Was it third, fourth, fifth, I think third and sixth Six. or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you want to include Valencia, who for me is not a write-off still, then it, no, sorry, there's two points that separate those four teams. And then if you want to include Valencia, it's five points. Okay. So for me, it's not a write-off yet for Loche that they could find their way, sneak their way into the Champions League, just like they did at the end of last season. Um, I, because I'm a romantic, <laughs> I want to, I want to go for Real Sociedad and Getafe. Because okay. I would love okay. to see, I would love to see some fresh faces and two teams that, on merit, really deserve to be in the Champions League based on the way that they've they've been playing all season long. Yeah. And again, there's nothing against Sevilla or any of the other teams. Sure, sure, sure. I think it would just be really nice to see yeah. other teams in there. I know Hitafe people are going to beat me up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that they deserve it, especially everything that they've achieved over the last mm. two seasons and the fact that they were just 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 i mean they just missed out by two points yeah at the very yeah. end of the campaign and fell short you know exactly by two points so they ended up in the europa league which is not bad but yeah. still with bordelas and the team that he has available to him it, it's a tremendous tremendous feat if they can yeah. make it in there so those would be my yeah. my choices, quite honestly. Yeah, I think, you know, looking on paper, obviously you go Atletico Madrid and Sevilla right. just because they're bigger teams. But, I mean, I... Atletico Madrid have not convinced me at all correct. this season. Me neither. Me neither. So that's why I, would, I wouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt this season. Exactly. And I would... I mean, I definitely could see Sociedad and Hitafe making those pull, especially, mm. you know, like with the style of play with Hitafe, they just need to win one tie two you know type of scenario and they can easily do that so especially in that just window what about the uh relegation race you know we have the three four teams here we have Osasuna, Mallorca, Leganes and Espanol obviously one of them's got to go down Osasuna's up there um again if you're betting who's 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 the three that's going to go down (laughs) Uh, this is another tough one yeah I'm in advance I apologize to the three teams (laughs) that are going to be (laughs) 
that I'm going to be choosing. I think Leganes is going to go down. Okay. I mean, they've, they're two best strikers and forwards, and Naziri and Martin Brathwaite got plucked away from them yep. at the worst possible time. Yeah. Basically, there's nobody else scoring goals for them, I think, except with the exception of Rodriguez. I think nobody else is scoring goals. And they're conceding too many as well. So when you're conceding too many goals and you're not scoring enough, obviously you do the math, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. The outcome is either going to be a loss or a draw. So unless they somehow dig deep and the goals start coming from elsewhere in the park, I genuinely don't see a way out for them. Yeah. Um, which makes me sad because I love Super Pepino. <laughs> and, no, <laughs> who, but, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't who exactly? Think, right? <laughs> no, but I also really like the team. And Javier Aguirre, I think, is a wonderful, yeah. a wonderful yeah. coach and a wonderful man manager. Um, I just I hate to say goodbye to three teams every season. I know, I know, I know. Um, but they would be one. I think Mallorca is going to be another one. Uh, a bit of a yo-yo there because sure. They, came up and basically could go straight back down. Yeah. But again, because I think they came up and maintained virtually the same squad as they had from second division last year, they didn't really bring in too many reinforcements over the summer. So they didn't really build too much on the squad that they already had. And I think it was always going to be a tall order for them to try and fight to stay up. Um, Um. I think, if I remember correctly, I think they actually didn't start off too badly this season. No, they were they, doing quite yeah. well. And then I mean, all of a Madrid. sudden, yeah, exactly. They yeah, beat Madrid 1-0 yeah. at home. And yeah. and then that was, ironically, I think, the turning point for them. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I unfortunately, I don't see them being able to, to scrape by. The third one, the third one is tough, I have to say. Espanol, I was just going to say, I think it's going to be Espanol. I was going to yeah, say yeah. maybe Celta, but I think Yaguaspas and his heroics, he'll probably, you know, yeah. like he did last season as a one-man sure. team, he'll carry them yeah, through yeah. over the line. But Espanol are in, I mean, the whole season, they've just been in a very bad way. Yeah. And everything they've tried to do to change, it just hasn't been working for them. It really hasn't. So, I mean, they ripped out the core of their team yeah. in the summer. And the the whole entire yeah. Exactly. So yeah. when it was always going to be very difficult for them to, sure. to survive after that. And again, another team that didn't really inject much money into trying to bring in the right kinds of replacements for those yeah. key players that, that left and manager. I mean, they've, this is a third manager this season. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're on now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Espanol. So it's Espanol, Leganes, and Mallorca. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I, yeah, I just think Osasuna is just uh, a strong enough team yeah. to get those points and just stay clear. And the other three, and they're great at home too. I mean, yeah, their record exactly. is is exactly. almost impeccable at home. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the hardest thing to come from second division and coming up first. You know, especially if you don't yeah. have any money like Mallorca, it's just impossible. Exactly. It's really difficult. Um, so, uh, with the stadiums being empty, mm-hmm. do you think they should play crowd noise? Are they going to, do you know? Does, they do you know the, they are they going to, they're going to play crowd noise, yes. Okay. It's, from what I understand, they're actually going to take recorded audio from previous games. They're going to make okay. like a compilation of 
of people cheering and sure. and and making noise and that tape. kind of stuff. Exactly, a mixtape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and they're going to be playing that out. So that's actually one of the big differences with the Bundesliga because the Bundesliga opted not to do that. And actually, I kind of liked it. I liked being able to hear the players talk amongst themselves and shouting at one another when the managers, you know, shouting orders or hearing the referees and that kind of stuff. It, it was a fresh new element to the game that we virtually never get a chance to hear. Yeah. So I for one quite liked it. But on the other hand, I do think I, I, I have to see it because I'm not really sure how I'll feel about it until after that first game. But I think there is sort of this nice romantic idea that by putting out recorded ambient sound, it will make players or people watching at home feel like there is the 12th man. I mean, it's not going to be the same, obviously. I mean, it won't come close, but at least it could be something better than nothing. Um, I think at first it might be a bit strange for everybody, because it will take some getting used to. You're hearing, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people cheering yeah. on, but there's nobody there. <laughs> um, but there is a really nice initiative, actually, that La Liga are going to do. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Applause to Infinity, I think it is. Okay. And what they've done is they've asked fans from all across the world to record themselves clapping or cheering. And on the 20th minute of every single game, they're going to play that out. Okay. Yes. And okay. it's a way of pa- uh, paying tribute to those who are on the front lines who have been working in this coronavirus pandemic. So for anybody across the board, medics, nurses, police, firemen, whoever yeah. has been involved, you know, in, in trying to, to help us get through this really tough situation, yeah. it's a way of paying homage to them. So I actually think that is specifically is, is quite a nice, a nice yeah. touch. So. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I'm I'm a personal fan of having no, nothing. I like hearing the the raw noise and the sound of the communication on the field sure. because I just I don't know. There's something. And know, I know that uh, like some people argue that maybe it makes a sound almost like it's a like a batanga, like a kickabout yeah. or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I find it really interesting. Because, yeah, I do too. I do too because it reminds me of when I played. You know, exactly. yelling at people and telling people <laughs> exactly. you know, square, yeah. middle, and all the things. You know, so I I personally like to hear it because yeah. you know I remember last season when Barcelona played behind closed doors. It was the same situation, mm-hmm. right? So, and right. you know, with all the crowd noise, you never hear the on field communication, right? And you just forget how much communicating there is on the field, especially at this professional level. It's even more, and it's I, I just like to hear it, especially. You know, especially hearing it from my team, essentially hearing players hmm. and identify those things. So, so going just really quick um, before we get into a little bit of FC Barcelona stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously in Bundesliga they haven't really had a resurgence of COVID among players. There hasn't been anything, but let's say there is one in Spain. I mean, we've been kind of a different animal, obviously here in Europe. You know, yeah. having such a high contagious factor and so forth. I mean, what's going to happen if that happens? Do they just cancel the season and not even wait? Do you think? No, if that I were to think- happen, or what do you think? So from what I've seen, Javier Mm -hmm. Perez has been adamant that the season is going to finish one way or another, sooner or later, that they're not even contemplating the option of having it cancelled in any way, shape or form. So, again, I mean, 
I'm not sure how much of that decision comes down to him because obviously you do have to include the government and the health authorities and go based on what they tell you. So I think as long as they say, go ahead, green light, do what you can, they're going to, they're going to finish it. But he said as well, I believe that if a player gets, if they test positive at some stage during the, the resumption of the, the competition, they have a whole list of protocols in place to deal with that particular situation. So, for example, they wouldn't they wouldn't cancel the league again. Okay. They would just remove the player, put the player in quarantine at home for two weeks. They would also analyze their home situation, the people that they've been in contact with, be it their family, their friends, or whoever, yeah. their close um, sort of nuclear like people that they, they've been in touch with in a close way. They also would then disinfect everything, so that the stadiums, the training grounds, uh, and they would use um, a software called Media Coach, which is normally used by managers and coaching staff and players to analyze matches. Mm. But they would use it in a way where they would analyze who the player has been in contact with during a match and try to add up the amount of time total that they came in contact with that person because studies apparently have said that more than 15 minutes means that you're at a high risk chance of getting, uh, of being infected. Sure. And, but they want to look at it for any player that spends more than five minutes in touch with a player or you know, yeah. in contact with a player in total. And so that way they can try to determine who else that one player might infect. So those are some of the protocols that they have in mind. Should there be a positive at some point over the next five weeks? You know, luckily we have Bundesliga to kind of be the guinea pig of this situation. Right. So far it's been okay. And also obviously here in Spain, we're, we're going to phase two on Monday. So, I mean, I've never been excited so excited for phase two <laughs> in my life, right? So, and I think also just the responsibility of everyone now using masks in the street and stuff has really helped limit everything. Right. So I think we're definitely on the the better trend of that. So Well, so, yeah. I think that footballers and clubs and people who work at the clubs, everybody behind the scenes as well, they're going to be so restricted. And I mean that in, in, in a good way. I feel like they are going to limit themselves and be responsible. And also they probably have to, I'm not entirely sure, but I imagine they're going to do everything they possibly can to limit their contact with the outside sure. world, let's say, to yeah. try and not get infected, Yeah, you know, because yeah. I mean, in Madrid, obviously it's very different to what's going in Barcelona, but people in Barcelona are already acting like it's phase two and it's not, <laughs> you know, and I'm almost worried for myself because to see people walking yeah. around, it's like a fiesta. And yeah. there's a lot of people that aren't wearing their masks and there are a lot of people yeah. who aren't being responsible. And and it does worry me more for myself. I honestly, I feel like the footballers are going to be fine because they're going sure. to be so isolated and they're going to be, yeah. they're going to be so strict about how they can behave during the remainder of the season. I, I would be surprised if maybe one player or two test positive, yeah. but in general, yeah. I really don't see it happening. They seem to have everything really well under control. Um, um, yeah, I'm more, I'm more worried about the general <laughs> population <laughs> of Spain, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, here in Madrid, the, the people have been pretty good that I've seen when I'm walking around. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not taking statistical analysis of sure, this. Sure, sure. Well, neither am I. I'm just telling you yeah, what I've seen on the streets. Yeah, but, but for the most part, people are using their masks and so forth. So that, I think that's really helpful. I mean, I think now it's just part of our lifestyle now. You know, you go outside and it's the mask and that's it. I mean, if you want to continue going through these phases and de-escalating, you have to use it. And that's that's just the thing. So, yeah. Um, you touched on it before of Messi's injury and, you know, the last two days, Barcelona were playing, you know, kind of coy about, is he injured? Is he not injured? But he's been battling this all season, essentially. Right. And like you talked about, like we are thin on the front line, but now this is, I think this is the worst case scenario because he didn't play for two months. And so you expect him to be 100% healthy, goes back to training and now is injured again. Right. And now you have this 11 game sprint. So I don't like this, obviously, and I think it's a bigger concern than it really is that they're letting on. What do you think? To be honest with you, I'm 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 a bit at odds on this one yeah. because I do feel like there's obviously a problem. There's no question yeah, yeah. that there is a problem. Yeah. How severe the problem is, that is what I'm not sure about because sure. clubs do tend to give you sort of the bare minimum information yeah, yeah, of that they're willing to share with the public. <laughs> and uh-huh. usually, you know, as journalists, it's you've got to do the research yourself and uh-huh. figure out, okay, this injury, what does that need? How long is a player yeah, out yeah. for? How long is it? What is the recovery process? Yeah. Like you have to deduce, yeah. it, deduce it for yourself, basically. Um, I also am not super concerned because I feel like Messi knows his body extremely well. And I think he knows when he's ready to play and to push his health and when he's not. And I do feel that he's at an age now. And I think we've seen it before where he, he, he's, his behavior towards getting injured has has changed and i think he's being mm-hmm. very responsible about it when he knows whenever he says i i'm not going to play for a while i'm not you know i'm not up for it because of this injury or whatever but the good thing is that the first two games back on mallorca and leganes two teams that we've already highlighted as yeah yeah contenders to be relegated <laughs> yeah in normal circumstances, those are usually the teams you have to watch out for the most because they're fighting for their lives and that adds an extra yeah. element of a fire in their bellies, let's say, to get the job done, to get those three points. And Leganes, let's remember, they also beat Barcelona last, last season, mm-hmm. although I think they're playing at the Camp Nou, so it's a different story. But that means that those are sort of the two perfect games for Messi to maybe sit out. Because I think the third game is Atletico Madrid, if I remember yeah. correctly. So there's no question in my mind that he will 100% be there for that game. Whether he feels like he's ready to come and play with Mallorca and Leganes as a warm-up, maybe he'll get some minutes. I yeah. personally don't pr- predict him playing the full 90 for both games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think at least the first one, I'm not entirely sure that we'll see him in action. I think he may decide to take a few more days, and yeah. especially if he's not training with the team right now. And let's be honest, yeah. they only had a 10-day window, all of the clubs. 
the training with a full squad. Sure. And the fact that they haven't been able to really have a preseason is going to be tough for all of the teams. Yeah. Um, physically, more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. So he's their most important asset. Yeah. I think they'll do whatever he says. If he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fit, I'm ready to go, I'm feeling good, they'll play him. And if he says no, then they'll, they'll be cautious about it. Do I think it's worse than it actually is? No. No? No. I'm also just trying to be hopeful. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I, yeah. I'm sure he's been monitoring his situation. They've been sure. monitoring his situation for months now. And like I said, I, my guess is the first 90 minutes that we see will be him against Atletico Madrid. Yeah. I mean, my only reasoning for it is just because he's basically had more than 60 days of rest, you know? And But the, the and, irony of that is that that's yeah. actually what's going to be causing a lot of muscle injury. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it's yeah. a muscle injury, isn't it? It's just a yeah. quadriceps. Um, injury and so we're going to see a lot of a lot of sure, players sure. picking up I all know. sorts of physical niggles and I think a lot of the, the physical trainers at these clubs that was one of their, their main concerns that they voiced was the yeah. fact that it was you can't go from two months of doing nothing, nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden going to playing 90 minutes a game of football every single day and for yeah. teams it's going to be every three days but it's it's going from zero to a hundred you know it's yeah so I think he'll tread cautiously, do what he can to be back on time, let's say, yeah, uh, as much as possible. Maybe a few minutes in Mallorca, a few minutes against Leganes, and then go full power against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Setien uses the bench as much yeah. as possible now, especially with the amount of subs and also you know, with the weather and yeah. the amount of games. So that'll be very interesting, especially with Suarez coming back as well. Yeah. So it's kind of all these, these things going. Um, the last two years, Barcelona have not been a great road team, but I think, you know, with no crowds now, I think that is the great equalizer. Yeah. Now, do you think that's going to, especially with Madrid too, as well, the top tier teams, do you think that's going to really benefit them on the, the road games? I do think it will have an impact for sure, because there are a lot of grounds that are known to have let's say a very boisterous fan base to put it nicely (laughs) um they're notorious for being extremely difficult grounds for for teams to go to like El Sarad or Sasuna Mm -hmm. it can be very hostile environment for visiting sides and it can be the differential factor in Osasuna getting those three points by the final whistle you know at home yeah and so if you remove that that element I do think it sort of helps to balance things out a little bit because it's taking the wind out of the sails of the home team. It's They've lost a lot of the, the positive energy that fans bring and inject into the game. And so then you've got teams that are visiting that maybe feel like they they don't have to come and feel so stressed out about it. They can be a little bit more relaxed. And it's like playing in any any stadium at that point in time. Yeah. I think yeah, I think we could definitely see Barcelona getting better results on the road for the remainder yeah. of the season. Definitely. Yeah, because there won't be that pressure, you know, from yeah. like you said, the boisterous crowds yeah. and so forth. Well, they tend to struggle um, sort of at like smaller grounds too. I mean, Granada yeah, yeah, was really sure. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. 
you know, yeah, yeah. without yeah. having like, the fans literally on top of them on the pitch yeah, and, and making yeah. life really difficult for them. You remove I mean, that. I think it definitely with, plays. Yeah, with with, with this eleven game sprint yeah. with Madrid and and Barcelona with the weather mm-hmm. and the teams that they have to play on the road and so forth. I think it's going to be so interesting to see how they manage and just get through the games because you lose one game, but you have an opportunity two nights later to have another victory essentially. Right. So it's kind of like this quick turnaround that doesn't usually happen in the season. Right. So You don't even have time to think about whenever yeah, a game exactly. finishes, you don't exactly. even have time to think about it. You've yeah, got to yeah. move on to the next one. Yeah. It's almost like baseball, you know, yeah. where they play so many games that they, is, they lose one game and the next game they can win three in a row. Exactly. Right? So just, that, just, that happens. Exactly. My my last question for you is about Barca TV, the new streaming service. I don't know if you, you probably heard about yeah. this. You know, obviously this is. And I was joking around on on Twitter about you know uh, it's you know you're supposed to cut cable and then all of a sudden you have Netflix, Disney Plus, <laughs> Amazon, and Barca. It's like it's not cheaper, right? Right. But um, do you think you know? Do you think this is kind of um, what teams are going to start to do as an added revenue? do their own content streaming for games and stuff like that to bypass other, you know, La Liga protocols and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I know that Barca's digital team for a long time have been working to be one of the most, if not the most premium digital team for a club out there in the world. Um, This has been a long time in the making. And it does sound like a really exciting new project, this Barca Studios, um, that they're calling it. It's almost like, you know, you mentioned Netflix. This is almost like a Netflix platform for Barcelona where they're going to have all sorts of different programming a la carte that you can pick at any point in time. And from what I understand, when it comes to fans that are based in Spain, not too much is going to change. It's more geared towards international fans abroad. Sure. um, And offering a whole wide range of of products whether it be interviews or studio programs or documentaries or archive footage or whatever what have you and also the name of the game is is digital isn't it everything nowadays in the future is online yeah and so they're going to have a much greater reach extending their fan base and reaching a fan base all across the globe by doing things online and digitally. And and I think definitely we'll see a lot of, a lot of um, clubs start to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, fortunately for me, I mean, they just added Barca TV last year on my Movistar. Mm -hmm. So I was very excited about that because we didn't have that before. We just had the Madrid TV. And so I personally will not be getting it, but obviously it's more for internet. I mean, I... Because Barca TV, I think it was only in Catalonia. I I don't think you could get it anywhere else outside of Catalonia. No, no, exactly. And so obviously Movistar bundled it. Right. Now you can also get Sevilla TV as well on Movistar as well. So they kind of are just, you know, making it more equal playing field for all the other teams. So so anyway, um, you know, thanks for joining us. Where can we find you on your social media if you want to go ahead and plug those? Right on, brother. Yeah. So Twitter, Samra Hunter, just my name. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Samra underscore Hunter. Facebook, Samra Hunter TV. And YouTube, again, my name. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those, those are the yeah. platforms that I use. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're really excited about La Liga restarting on Thursday. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on for a chat. Sports Social Podcast Network.